When you're a parent, you can't be great at everything. But you can try. With my son, I know I can't be good with everything. But one thing I try to take great pride in is try to give him life lessons. I try to give him one a week. Sometimes I give him two. Try to teach him things about, you know, having integrity, having a high value system, being reliable, uh, being trustworthy, stuff like that. Uh, One of the things I also try to teach him uh, recently was about asking great questions. So I feel like that's a very important quality to have as an adult because people who usually ask smart, good questions usually can find a way to get smart, uh, well thought out, educated, vetted answers. And when you have great answers, you now have a head start on somebody who may have bad information. So asking great questions is super important. But one of the things I think kind of goes in line with that as I get older, getting into my mid thirties that I'm starting to understand is understanding what you don't know about yourself is important and understanding where your shortcomings is and not hanging on to old information can be extremely detrimental to your progress as a human being. So how much can you learn about yourself that you have to kind of look into the mirror and understand, like I'm holding on to old ways of thinking, old biases, and the the better I let that go, uh, the more effective I'm going to be at becoming a well-rounded human being. So that led me to think about today's episode, which is going to be about cognitive biases. Now, let me get one disclaimer out the way. Me personally, I keep it funky with y'all. I've been saying biases my entire life. So if I say it again on this show, you're just going to have to excuse your boy. But I just recently learned that I've been saying it the wrong way, man. Biases. I've been saying biases. But anywho, however way I say it, y'all will get the picture, I'm sure. So we're going to talk about cognitive bias. Cognitive bias affects us all. Even though we can fact check information using our phones and computers at the drop of a dime, we still fall for fake news and cling to outdated opinions. Why? When our cognitive biases take control, our ability to make logical judgment is limited. And facts take a backseat to deeply held beliefs. Scientists theorize that some cognitive biases have evolutionary roots, helping us maintain social connections. This mattered in prehistoric times when being isolated almost meant certain death. These days, cognitive biases still influence our choices, not to mention our politics, our elections, how a doctor may deal with a patient. So let's look at some examples and see how many we are guilty of, shall we? Confirmation bias. The tendency to interpret new evidence as confirmation of one's existing beliefs and theories. So you at your job, you got a lazy coworker who just happens to be black. That then turns into, see, all black people are lazy. Or you ran into a racist bigot at Whole Foods who happens to be white. That then turns into, all white people are racist. An isolated suicide bombing in Iraq by somebody who was Muslim then turns into all Muslims are Islamic extremists. 
you got cheated on by your ex. That then turns into all men ain't shit and all men are dogs. It's like, come on, man. So why do we possess confirmation biases in the first place? There are several explanations as to why humans possess confirmation bias, including it's a more efficient way to process information. It helps us protect our self-esteem and minimize cognitive dissonance. So it helps us process information quickly because to be able to have an unbiased opinion, you would have to be able to get all the information that's available about something, vet the sources of it, and also consider conflicting views or data. Unfortunately, the world that we live in, which is pretty, you know, doggy dog information coming in at the speed of a bullet. Nobody really has time to go through the process of looking at all the information that's available to come up with uh, an accurate belief about it. People tend to seek information that is already going to further cement their beliefs about the topic or about the subject already. So how do we combat this? Well, taking all the facts that you can get your hands on, including waiting on more complete information. Then consider why your findings may or may not conflict with your previous assumptions. Another way we can combat confirmation bias is try to prove yourself wrong. Always have contrary ideas in a room or somebody who thinks differently than the way you think. You see examples of groups of people with a common goal implementing a devil's advocate or a contrarian in a group on purpose just to have a different point of view. Sometimes you got to be your own devil's advocate. And lastly, circle back and reassess your views whenever possible. Information is changing all the time, especially in this fast paced world that we live in. So things you may have been right about a year ago may be absolute nonsense today. And that's okay. What's important is that you always striving to challenge your biases. See, I already said it. Biases. Biases. Let's take a look at another bias. Self-serving bias. Or as I like to call it, the sore loser juice. Self-serving bias is when you attribute negative experiences to being the fault of factors that aren't your doing, but you give yourself all the credit when you do something positive that's in your favor for example you failed the test and you blame it on the teacher not liking you but when you pass their exam the next week you say it was because of your hard work and you studying all week yeah that's just some lame sore loser juice if you ask me uh how do we combat self-serving bias well take responsibility for your choices and live with the consequences Another would be stop making excuses. Sometimes when you lose, you lost because you just had to be the loser that day. You made a bad decision. You made an error in judgment. Or sometimes you just got completely unlucky and the universe wasn't in your favor that day. There's absolutely nothing wrong with taking the L if you can use an L as a lesson and not a loss. How about another one called the Dunning-Kruger effect? The Dunning-Kruger effect, named in 1999 after two Cornell psychologists, is a cognitive bias whereby people who are incompetent at something are unable to recognize their own incompetence. 
And not only do they fail to recognize their incompetence, they're also likely to feel confident that they're actually competent. I think we all know people like this. Like, you ever met somebody that just, you know, no disrespect, like, absolutely sucks at something, but they absolutely think that they the shit at it? And it's like, no, you can't play basketball. You are terrible, and you will never make the team. But they just absolutely think they Michael Jordan. There's people out there like that. You know them, and that's it's your cousin, probably. I'm joking. One study of high-tech firms discovered that 32 to 42% of software engineers rated their skills as being in the top 5% of their companies. A nationwide survey found that 21% of Americans believe that it's very likely or fairly likely that they become millionaires within the next 10 years. Also, drivers consistently rate themselves above average. Medical technicians overestimate the knowledge in the real-world lab procedures. In a classic study of the faculty at the University of Nebraska, 68% of them rated themselves in the top 25% for teaching ability, and more than 90% rated themselves above average, which I'm pretty sure y'all noticed is not mathematically impossible in any of those scenarios. We all have coworkers that think their level of expertise is significantly higher than the truth of the matter. You all got somebody at your job who thinks that they are very good at y'all job that y'all do together. And it's sort of like, no, you, you're, you're not good. So how do, how do we get through to these people? How do we, how do we challenge this cognitive bias that they have there? Well, when dealing with people who have lofty opinions of themselves, it does more harm than good not addressing them and their shortcomings. Most employees or most people don't know that they aren't good at something. And it's usually because they haven't been trained correctly or they haven't been evaluated correctly. Most people actually make an effort to do better once they know that they are terrible at something. You know, sometimes that truth has to come in the form of actual footage or giving them the numbers so they can get out of their head and thinking that, oh, man, I am the best. Well, the, the statistics say, no, sir, you are not the best. It's always good to make sure that people know their place in regards to their performance. To let this go unchecked will be a disservice to everybody that's around that person. Right. Uh, this is one I like the anchoring effect or anchoring bias. The anchoring effect is a cognitive bias whereby individual decisions are influenced by a particular reference point or anchor. Once the value of the anchor is set, subsequent arguments, estimates, etc. made by individual may change from what they would have otherwise been without the anchor. Jay Optics, what the hell are you talking about? Well, let me explain. For example, imagine that you are buying a new car. You read online that the average price of the vehicle that you're interested in buying is $27,000. When you're shopping at the local car lot, the dealer offers you the same vehicle for $26,500, which you quickly accept, because after all, it's $500 less than the average cost. Except the car dealer across town is offering the exact same car, exact same year, exact same model, for just $24,000, which is a full $2,500 less than what you paid for. 
and you're looking at yourself in the mirror like, damn it, what the hell happened? Well, anger and bias happened. You took the first bit of information that you got, said, you know what? That is the baseline for what's fair. You saw a number that was a little bit less than that, and you jumped all over it, not doing your due diligence, knowing that that is just an average. The anchoring bias suggests that we favor the first bit of information that we learn over all information that comes afterward. So how can we combat the anchoring effect? Because this can do a hell of a lot of service for us, especially in the retail world, right? One, you can consider making a decision, especially in your purchases or negotiations like so. Consider this. One, why exactly are you considering this acquisition in the first place? And then number two, what are you basing your value of that thing off of? Are you basing it off reliable information? Have you looked at some second options? Can you do better than this option if you waited a little while? These are all things that you should consider. This might especially come in handy romantically when you're considering, you know, somebody that you feel is going to be a companion in your life for, you know, the foreseeable future that you don't necessarily go basing that off the last person and saying, well, you know, you seem like you'll be a good guy or girl considering all the other options out there i mean they're good well that's not a good way to make decisions on somebody that's gonna be spending you know intimate time with you they need to be a, a great choice for you just all around correct which leads into the next one the halo effect the halo effect refers to the tendency to allow one specific trait or our overall impressions of a person company or product to positively influence our judgment of their other related traits a single positive quality of a person may induce a positive predisposition toward every aspect of that person while one negative attribute of that person may induce an overall negative impression of that person so an example in a classroom teachers are more prone to the halo effect error when evaluating students a teacher might assume a well-behaved student is also bright and motivated before they have objectively evaluated the student's capacity for learning. In fact, a research conducted in 1968 discovered that teachers generally develop expectations for their students based not merely on the school record, but also their physical appearance. In the experiment, teachers were provided with the objective information, such as a child's academic potential, along with a photo of an attractive or unattractive girl or boy. The results indicated that the teacher's expectations concerning the child's academic future were significantly associated with the child's attractiveness. Another more recent study compared the influence of attractiveness on grading in university courses where the instructors either could or could not observe the appearance of the student. The results indicated that appearance could impact grading in traditional classrooms. The students whose attractiveness were rated as above average procured significantly lower grades in online classes, whereas the instructors could not observe the appearance of the student. Imagine how that might play in a situation where you're dealing with a financial institution and they're judging you based off your looks and in, in regards to how much money they're going to give you for a small business loan or how much how much house they gonna say you can afford. An example of the halo effect is this attractiveness stereotype, which refers 
to the tendency to assign positive qualities and traits to physically attractive people. People often tend to judge attractive individuals to have more higher morals, better mental health, and greater intelligence. This cognitive error in judgment reflects one's individual prejudices, ideology, and social perception. So how can we combat the halo effect? One, be objective. Two, be professional. And three, please be consistent. Uh, Especially if you're in a leadership position, um, people aren't stupid. If you're being biased based off somebody's looks or giving preferential treatment just so somebody looks good and people can see that, people are definitely going to say, you know, you're not a good leader. You're not you're not being fair. And once you have that, once you have that label on you, it's very hard to to put any trust in you or put any value on your word as a leader. People notice biases clearly biases, excuse me, clearly. How about the ostrich effect? This is a funny one. The ostrich effect is a funny term simply describing a person's propensity to ignore the negative or dangers associated with a situation, thinking either that the problem will go away or not wanting to deal with the problem and the reality of the situation at that time. I think we all are guilty of ignoring the hell out of a past due bill, whether or not it's online or in the mailbox or something like that. And you just don't want to see the number because it's been past due for the last, I don't know, year and a half or something like that. And you just don't want to see those commas. You get what I mean? Uh, I totally understand it. I've thrown many a bill away without opening it. You get the past due emails now and it's like, I don't want to deal with that. The Oscar effect is pretty much just, uh, you know, symbolism for saying, you know, burying your head in the sand. Hopefully that it goes away because that's scary over there. Uh the ostrich effect is something that I don't think that uh, if you're dealing with something like a bill or something that you ain't ready to deal with at that particular time, I, I guess you just kind of, you got to be brave. You got to be courageous. You got to check that voicemail. You know, just don't delete it. Don't read the text. Actually listen to it. You know, and deal with your problems. It'll make you a better person at the end of the day. And let's run down a list of the definition of a couple of other ones without getting into further detail. But just so you know, just how many are out there. How about unconscious bias? An implicit attribution of positive or negative qualities to a group of individuals. You got priming bias, which is the tendency to be influenced by what someone has said to create preconceived ideas. How about framing? which is using a too narrow approach in description of a situation or issue. Hindsight bias, sometimes called the I knew it all alone effect, is the inclination to see past events as being predictable. Man, I knew that was going to happen all along. Or how about the embodied bias, which is a tendency to have selectivity in perception, attention, decision-making, and motivation based on the biological state of the body. Yeah, so I just want to take take an episode have one of those quick in between episodes just to run down and explore this strange world of biases and how we all guilty of them and how we can all serve ourselves better to just do a better job of understanding which biases we have 
and really just hunker down on working on it because it makes you a better person when you're able to have an open mind to new ideas, new beliefs, new values, uh, be able to do inventory of the beliefs you already have that's now outdated that you need to throw away. The way you talk, maybe the way you dress, maybe the way you conduct yourself in a room full of people and how you might read a room. You might have to reevaluate the relationship you're in right now because it might be based off old info and old biases. So, hey, let's take the rest of 2021 and really just focus in on what kind of ideas that we have that may be outdated or maybe unfounded and really not plausible so good luck on your journey i know i got some biases to work on matter of fact i'm about to go do that right now i'll catch y'all next week peace